the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As the world rejects God, we will find ourselves drifting farther away from peace and safety. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. I entitled this message, Come and See. Have you ever seen something that was nothing short of, well, kind of incredible, something that you've never seen before? Well, if you're anything like me, you wish while you're looking at something that someone else could see what you're seeing at that very moment. I remember, you know, being down in Australia and we went down to some place and I don't even know where the heck it was. You know, we were about two hours outside of Sydney and we were on the coast and we climbed up this mountain and we were looking and it was just this beautiful water and you could just see everything was just killer. And I'm just thinking, man, I wish my wife was here. You know, I'm like, I'm taking all this in and she wasn't there. I wanted her to see what I was seeing. There's just times when you see something and you just want to go grab someone that you know. Hey, come and see what I'm looking at right here. Yes, there's been many things like the changing of the guard at Buckingham Palace. We didn't even know what was happening. We just happened to be in London. It was a beautiful day. Do you know that in like London, it's cloudy and rainy and whatever, like, I don't know, three quarters of the year. They only have like, you know, 60 days a year that the sun actually comes out Poor them. But anyway, we were there in London one day. It was a beautiful day. Crystal clear blue sky, sun shining, and we just happened to be walking by Buckingham Palace, and they were doing the changing of the guard, and it was like, hey, what's going on here? Like, oh, wow, this is cool. We ended up watching the whole thing. Uh, we didn't even know what was happening. And then, of course, I took my wife over to London last year uh, before COVID, and uh, we were over in London, and you know, we were walking up to Westminster Abbey, and there was all these people gathered, and we just happened to walk up, I mean, just, just randomly, and like, What's all these people? What are we looking at here? And the guy says, well, the queen is coming out of the Westminster Abbey here any second. And we're like, oh, yeah, really? And then all of a sudden, boom, here comes the doors open up and here comes the queen. You know, just like, well, there you go. You know, there's the queen. So it's just cool when you're in places that you don't expect something to happen and it happens. Well, I'm sure that each one of you have your own little come and see moments where you wish someone you know or you know would see what you're seeing at that moment. We're going to look at the ultimate example of this. Let's look at our first point here, those who seek. As we read together here, starting in John chapter 1, we're going to pick up in verse 35. It says, again, the next day, John was standing. Now, we're talking about 
John the Baptist here. And he was standing with two of his disciples. Verse 36, and he looked upon Jesus as he walked and he said, now this is before Jesus really burst open his ministry. So he's just like another guy at this point. And John the Baptist, who was the man, he was God's prophet of the hour here. And he said, behold, pointing at Jesus, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Verse 38 says, And Jesus turned and beheld them following him. I could see them kind of following. Jesus stops, they stop. He moves, they move. But Jesus turned around and he said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is translated means teacher, Where are you staying? They didn't know what to say, really. And he said, I'm staying at the Marriott. No, he didn't say that. I'm sorry. Verse 39. He said to them, come and see, come and you will see. And they came therefore and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. Well, we'll stop there for a moment. See, this was the third day of everything coming to a head for John the Baptist. Again, his entire life, his calling from the foundation of the earth has hit its pinnacle in these last three days. All the time that he spent preparing, all the time that he was preaching in the wilderness, all of the baptizing for the forgiveness of sins has come now to an end. Why? For the Messiah has come. Two days earlier, John the Baptist said in verse 26 that there was one standing among them, talking about Jesus, of course, that was greater than him. And the next day, John the Baptist said with power and passion, behold, that word behold means stop. Stop, look, and see here. Like you just, the world needs to just stop for a second. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Quoting from Isaiah chapter 53, what was written 750 years ago. Do you people understand? Behold, stop, look, and see. There he is, the Messiah, the Savior, who's going to take away the sin of the world. And now, this third day, as he stands next to his prime disciples, the top of the class that were were following John the Baptist. And he says it once again, behold the Lamb of God, again declaring to all to again stop, look and see. This is who you must seek after now. Stop following me. It's time to stop. Start following him. Know this. There was a reason while everyone was following John the Baptist. There were just thousands that were flocking to him. For he was not like any other that they had ever seen. Not like all the dead and born religious leaders of the day. John the Baptist was a radical, and he was literally on fire. He had a holy passion and a desire to not draw attention to himself but rather to what was coming. Yet nobody had ever seen one with such focus. These people had never seen someone with such a voice of passion, a lifestyle of action, a message of repentance to get right with God. Yet the time had come for John the Baptist now 
to step aside and for all the focus to be placed on Jesus Christ. As John tells his followers again in verse 36, Behold the Lamb of God. Yes, Jesus was God in the flesh, and he came for one reason, and that was to die for the sin of all humanity. And now John points him out for all the crowd to see. Now, two of his disciples who heard him say this literally and instantly followed Jesus. So Jesus turned around and he said to them, what do you seek since you're following me here? Well, they didn't even know what to say at that point. So they just, well, they asked him, well, where, where do you live? <laughs> where, where are you going to? And Jesus said to them, come and see. Yes, like most people, we really don't have a clue what we're seeking for, right? I mean, we think we need this and we need that. We get it, and then we realize, well, that's not enough. I have to get something else. Then we get that, and then, well, that's not enough. We have to get something else. We don't really know what we seek for. We just know we haven't found it yet, right? Because if we found that thing that totally satisfied, we wouldn't need anything else. But we haven't found that yet, so we keep seeking for things. I wonder how many people in our sphere of life, the people that you see maybe on a weekly basis or even a daily basis where you work and what have you, that would be open to us saying, come and see my church. Oh, they might tell you, oh, I don't go to church. Yeah, well, either do I. I never used to, but now I do go to church now because something is happening messages are coming out alive. It's not just like your typical dead and boring church. See, I just remember the couple times when I was growing up that my parents went to church. I remember we went to this rock church. It's when my sister was born. She's eight years younger than me. So I was eight years old when she was born. Isn't that rocket science? But anyway, when she was born, it's like my parents kind of had a little resurgence in their marriage. It was a little rough and rocky at that point. And she was born and it kind of brought this resurgence of love in their marriage. And I think they wanted to be a a stronger family. So they decided we're going to start going to church. Now, I grew up in the 60s. I'm old, but I'm still in good shape. Just want to point that out. But anyway, you know, so we're sitting there and we never went to church. So all of a sudden, like now all my friends went to church. Didn't really change who they were. They were slackers, just like I was a slackard. But anyway, so now we're going to go to church. Okay, we're going to church now. So so we start going to this church. And after a couple of weeks, I remember the, the priest wanted to come over to our house and, and meet our parents, you know, meet my parents. And so I remember the day that he came so vividly because my mom was just, you know, vacuuming and cleaning and dusting and everything and just making the house perfect. Clean this up. Clean up your bedrooms. He's not coming in my bedroom. Well, clean it up anyway, you know. And it's like, so we had all of this stuff for the priest to come over. Okay, so the guy finally gets there, knocks on the door, comes in. He's not in the house more than three minutes. And he's just like, so he looks at my dad. Can I see your paycheck stubs? And my dad's like, excuse me? (laughs) It's like, he goes, I want to see how much money you make. And I'm like, uh, why? He goes, well, because you're going to give X amount of money to the church. And my dad's just like, yeah, it's not going to happen. And you 
don't let door hit you on the rear on the way out. So our going to church days ended <laughs> just like that. And, and so it's just, it was just weird. It's like, why are you asking that? I mean, like out of the 5,000 things that you could come over and talk to someone about as a representative of God, why would that be like one of the first things out of your mouth? It just didn't make sense at all. And so our church day days were over. So we never went to church ever again. And it's like, see, that's what people are used to. People are used to weird stuff happening in churches, unfortunately. And look, you know as well as I do, there's a lot of good churches out there. But there's a lot of bad churches out there, too. And that is what has burned some people out. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But it does bring up our second point, those who come and see. Notice, they didn't know what to say or do, those first couple of disciples that came to follow Jesus, except for this, one thing. That was to get to know this Jesus. If John the Baptist says, this is the man, you got to stop. you got to follow this guy and not me anymore. I mean, John the Baptist was the mega man at this time. Everyone wanted to be around him. And now John the Baptist is saying, hey, you got to stop looking at me. That is the one you have to follow right there. And they were willing to come and see. So they understand Jesus was not only, not only does he want us to come and see, but he wants us to really know him, to be part of his purpose and plan. Understand, following Jesus is not joining a dead religious church. It's not, you know, just walking in this life with a blindfold on. So many times people are like, oh, well, you Christians, you know, you just have this big crutch, Jesus, you know, you don't, you don't know what to do, where to go, or what to say. It's like, uh, hold on. First of all, Jesus is not a crutch. He's an entire 911 emergency ward, just to be clear. But other than that, Jesus doesn't want us to hang our intelligence and our intellect on a hook at the door when we come into church. He wants us to understand and know what really the purpose of humanity and us knowing the God that created us is all about. He wants us to really know him and understand him. Jesus has a great purpose for us. He wants us to be used in his master plan in bringing salvation and hope to this sinful world that we live in. Yes, we can be part of God's great purpose and plan. Yes, people need hope. When we consider all the chaos that is in the world today, Think about the chaos that is happening, especially right now, like all the crime rates that are spiking. Yes, as the world rejects God, we will find ourselves drifting farther and farther away from peace and safety. Yes, as people refuse to go and see all that God desires for us to see. The farther away that humanity strays from God's perfect will for our lives, the more messed up we are going to become. And when I say we, I don't mean us as Christians. We're not going to be messed up, but we're going to be subject to the things that are happening around us. Notice what these two disciples did in verse 39. It says that they simply came And guess what? They saw. Yes, by following the Lord, they ended up seeing more than they could have ever imagined. For they saw who Jesus really was, that he was the promised Messiah, that he, yes, was the Savior of the world. Now, 
we'll see just how this information affected their lives. Let's pick up and read here uh, in chapter 1, verse 40. It says, now one of the two heard John speak, of course, John the Baptist speak, and followed him, and it was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now, he found first his own brother Simon, and he said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated means the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him, looked at who? Peter, because Andrew brought him, and he said, you are Simon the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is being translated Peter. We'll stop there for a moment. Yes, there was so much more for Andrew than just seeing where Jesus lived. He was cut to the heart just listening. Could you imagine you're listening to Jesus? Again, who is Jesus? He's God in human form. He's God with skin and bones, just like you and me. And you're, you're listening to him speak. What is that even like? See, he knew that he knew that this Jesus was the promised Messiah. And he couldn't contain it. He had to tell someone about it. So he immediately goes to the person he probably loved the most, which is his brother, who happened to be Peter. Okay, so I can imagine Andrew almost jumping out of his skin. I mean, think about it. What would you have done? Would you have just casually walked up to your brother? Hey, bro, what's going on? <laughs> How's the fishing today? Every time we read a Peter, he's never catching anything. So whatever, you know. Did you catch anything? Hey, how's the wife? You know, and what did you do last night? Oh, and by the way, I was just talking to the Messiah, Savior of the world. <laughs> you know, the long-awaited one? Uh, no, I don't think it went down like that. I think Andrew probably ran as fast as he could to Peter. And completely out of breath, <laughs> he said to him, you have to come and see right now. Get up, get moving, hurry, let's go. See, we're told in verse 42 that Jesus when Andrew brought his brother Peter to Jesus, that Jesus looked at Peter. This could be better translated, Jesus looked right through him. Because Jesus, he clearly sees everything about all of us. So he clearly saw exactly who Peter was. He knows everything. The Bible says that God has searched us, meaning he has explored us, and he's penetrated past what we look like on the outside. He sees who we are and what we're like on the inside, what we're made of. Notice the first thing that he said here was, I'm going to change your name from Simon to Peter. Now, Peter means a small stone or a rock or a chip off the block, you could say. Yet Peter seemed to be the polar opposite of anything solid and anything resembling a rock. Why is that? Because Peter, he was flawed. He was a flamboyant person. Peter was impetuous, you could say. Peter would often put his foot in his mouth. He would say things that he shouldn't have said. You know, think about Peter's up and down life with Jesus, like the time that Jesus came walking out on the water and the disciples thought he was a ghost. 
And so it was Peter that said, well, Lord, if that's you, let me come out and walk on the water with you. And Jesus said, all right, well, come on out. And so Peter jumps out of the boat, and he's doing the unbelievable. He's walking on the water. But then, of course, you know, maybe he was turning around looking at it, all the other disciples in the boat, like, hey, look at me, woohoo, you know, that took his eyes off of Jesus, and all of a sudden, he lived up to his new name, Peter the Rock, because he was sinking like a rock, and he had to cry out to the Lord, Lord, save me, and of course, Jesus picked him up and put him back in the boat. But that's the first time that Peter lived up to that name, Rock. And then, of course, there was the time when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet. You remember how that went? You know, he's washing the disciples' feet. And I could see Peter looking at Jesus as he's washing the disciples' feet. And he's thinking, you know, this is going to be a test. He's testing us to see who's going to step up. So when Jesus came to Peter and said, well, Peter, I'm going to wash your feet. And Jim Peter's like, you're not washing my feet. No can do. No way. But, you know, because maybe he was thinking like, I'm a man's man, and it's kind of weird having another man wash your feet. But so Peter says, no, you're not going to wash my feet. And so Jesus just looks up and says, well, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of my kingdom. And then Peter says, hey, wash my feet, wash my whole body. Give me the rubber ducky, man. Let's take a bath, you know. But Jesus said, no, no, I don't have to wash your whole body. That's fine. But I, I do want to wash your feet. I mean, what a place and an example of total servanthood. I mean, here's the master washing their feet. And what brought that on, by the way? Well, it was always a a customary thing when you would enter a home and you would have a meal that uh, there would be a servant there to wash your feet. So back then, they didn't sit on tables with chairs. They sat on the ground. There would be pillows, and they sat on the ground to eat. So, you know, your feet are kind of over here, right over there. They're right next to the next person. And, you know, they didn't have paved sidewalks and, you know, streets and all that. So, I mean, your feet were pretty nasty. So when you sat down around this table around everyone, you know, your feet were nasty. So it was just customary to wash your feet, and then you would go in and have this meal together. Well, there was no servant there to wash feet. Instead of one of the disciples stepping up and saying, hey, look, there's no servant here. I think I'll just go ahead and do it for everyone else. Everyone's going like me. <laughs> I'm not washing a guy's nasty feet. Look at that, man. Look at Peter's toes. Those are nasty toes, you know. But Jesus, proving to be the ultimate servant, washed everyone's feet. Well, then there was the granddaddy of all the things that Peter did at the Last Supper. Jesus said to the disciples that all of them were going to forsake them, which they all did, of course. Yet Peter said, though all of these, and who's he pointing to? He's pointing to all the other disciples, all the guys that walk with Jesus. And he says, though all of these slackers here deny you, I will never deny you. And then, of course, we know what happened just within hours. Jesus had looked at Peter and said, you know, Peter, before the rooster crows, the next morning, You will have already denied me three times. I wonder what was going through Peter's head at that moment. Because at that moment, he was just like, man, I am sold out to you completely, Lord. And I don't care if all these other disciples, you know, they reject you and deny you. I will never deny you. And then Jesus in front of everyone says to Peter, actually, Peter, before the rooster goes cock-a-doodle-doo in the morning, before the sun comes up, you will have already denied me, not once, not twice, but three times. Well, Jesus wasn't wrong, and you know the end of the story. Yes, Peter, the reason I love him so much, the reason that you should love him so much, the reason we're so thankful for a guy like Peter in the scripture is because he's just like us. 
Because he had incredible moments of great faith turned around by incredible moments of face planting and falling down. Like the time when Jesus walked up to Caesarea Philippi. They walked up and there was just all this worship that was going on of false prophets and all of this stuff and, and false gods. And, and they walk up and Jesus is like, yeah, well, who do people say that I am? And the disciples are like, well, you know, some say that you're like Jeremiah or, you know, uh, Elijah, you know, one of the prophets, you know. And he says, yeah, but who do you say that I am? I can see the disciples, uh... Uh, And it was Peter that just stepped right up and said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And it's like, aha. Jesus says, very good, Peter. Yeah, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my father revealed it to you. I can see Peter like, yep. That's pretty good there, Peter. You did good. I think we've all been in times where we had the answer and no one else did. And it's like, yep, <laughs> had it. Yeah. And it just you get that rush of like, yeah, I had it. But then just moments later, Jesus is talking about the fact that he's going to go to Jerusalem and that he is going to be handed over to the Gentiles, and he is going to be killed and crucified. I mean, this is five minutes later. Peter's like, yeah, Lord, that's not good. This is not a good PR move. That's not going to happen. And he starts to rebuke the Lord. And Jesus looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app, available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 347 Eight nine Los Angeles, California nine zero zero three four. Three Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.